Welcome to Kanaka the Dead. Um, we are on the next episode of the Halloween franchise, and this isn't one I know I have been itching to talk about. And same with my buddy Benner. How you doing, Benner? Hey, man. Good, good. Yeah. Yes. Back for back for another. Yes, and this is one that we have been waiting for. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, just uh, it, it's it's exciting for me because I remember when this film came out. And I think it's very divisive. I think there's lots to talk about on it for sure. Uh, but also as well, like this was kind of the first time there was like a real clean restart for the franchise. So uh, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, I'm, I'm hyped to get into it. Okay, let's get everyone up to date. Described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness, three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 15 years. This summer, Rob Zombie unleashes a unique vision of a legendary tale. Listen, be careful tonight. A lot of nutcases come out on Halloween. Is the boogeyman real? Why are you so obsessed with the boogeyman, Tommy? Halloween night, the boogeyman attacks kids you don't believe. Oh no, Tommy! The boogeyman's gonna get me! I'm gonna cut that mask right off your face. He's come back for his baby sister. To do what? There we go. All right. Yeah. I, I like that trailer, man. Like I, I, um, like I remember, I remember seeing this trailer coming out cause, uh, we had all kind of followed it. It was sort of like remake city, uh, around that time. Uh, every horror movie under the sun was getting remade. So I remember when this one came out, um, or was being announced and Rob zombie was fresh off of, uh, devil's rejects at the time, sort of, I don't want to say Hollywood's new hottest director. That's not what he was, but there was definitely no. like the Rob Zombie niche and fan, uh, you know, fandom uh, had kind of followed him and, and was kind of stoked that he was actually a director as well. So I'm just going to preface this by saying I am wearing my Devil's Rejects uh, t-shirt. So I love <laughs> nice. Rob Zombie. I love almost everything that he's done. Um, am a huge white zombie fan. White zombie is a huge influence on me musically. Uh, Astro Creep 2000 being like one of my favorite albums, probably my top 10 albums of all time. Um, love his solo stuff as well, not as much as White Zombie, but I always appreciate the, the aesthetic. So I just want to preface this because it's such a divisive movie, and especially, um, since he kind of had a he had a crack at this sort of iconic IP, 
and of course rebooting the entire franchise as well um pretty pretty daunting task for sure but uh i liked how this was shaping up i was pumped to go see this in the theater i thought it was going to be dark i thought it was going to be gritty um and i think that's what the that's what the franchise needed at that point yeah um, see, I'm, I'm with yeah. you i love rob zombie but he is the will ferrell of directors where you either love it or you hate it you know there's not usually a gray area when it comes to he he's got a style right like so and that style is going to connect with you and you're going to like it it's a very visceral style it's a very violent style um it doesn't always work uh like and i won't i'm not going to give the guy a free pass either i i think i think he knocks some things out of the park and he get he should deserve deserves to get credit um for for a chunk a big chunk of this movie there are some things that you know i i do feel like he's a he's a director that's sort of like uh he he sort of falls into the realm of of you know tim burton um uh nicholas reffin like those directors that i feel when they're sort of let off the leash and they're not they can do whatever they want they they sort of go a bit batshit crazy and i feel like once they if but if they have a kind of if they're kept in the lane if they have like you know if they put the blinders on a little bit i i feel that they make better movies and um that's very challenging for a lot of people who who love those directors i always get in arguments and debates with people just because you know it's obviously you're limiting the creative freedom but ultimately i think like the goal is to make a really great movie and the best movie you possibly can and i feel like rob zombie sometimes uh gets a little too um gets a little too crazy when he's kind of allowed to do whatever he wants and i think um speaking of this film uh, obviously there's the theatrical cut which i saw in the theater and most people saw in the theater and then there's obviously the director's cut which is uh available on most um uh most of the box sets the box sets that were came out with scream factory both of them uh both the the 10 disc and the, and the larger box only have the director's cut it doesn't have the theatrical cut for some weird reason uh and i think the only way that you can grab it in canada is that there's a split blu-ray um i should have grabbed it just so i could show it but it's it's, it's a split blu-ray which is halloween rob zombies halloween one and two uh but just the theatrical cuts and that's the one to get and we'll get into that as well yeah actually no i have both blu-rays and they're mm -hmm. both regular and director's cut or unrated they're called sorry so the unrated ones are are the director's cut yeah um and i believe the one on netflix right now i believe that the um uh, uh halloween one rob zombies halloween one um i believe the one on netflix right now i think that's the theatrical as well so it is the um, theatrical yeah 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 so uh and we'll get into that and talk about why <laughs> why we, well why i feel that way at least yeah and it's interesting because i think the divis one of the divis one of the things that caused the divisiveness in this film was that opening which was actually and i, I come to find out based on a clip from the television version of the original halloween I've never seen it, but apparently the televised version didn't have enough once they cut it down and started editing. So they had John Carpenter went back and filmed something about Michael in the sanitarium. Okay. Gotcha. I've never seen it, but apparently that's what Rob Zombie based the opening of this on was that small clip. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, I didn't mind the, I didn't mind the, uh, uh, the, the opening shots of, of of michael myers as 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 a kid i thought that um you know uh i can't remember the kid's name but uh Dang. uh yeah it's, i mean he he's serviceable right and and i actually like the um uh, again like in the in in like in the director's cut there's a little bit more 
of his family being just like, I mean, Rob Zombie's, uh, his, his talent is writing the shittiest characters you've ever met in your entire life. And I can appreciate that for sure. Um, there's just sometimes where I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I don't need to be beaten over that. Like I, I never like being beaten over the head with anything, uh, when I'm watching a flick. Um, but, but especially this, it's just like, okay, we get them. We get that. These are the shittiest people ever. Um, but I do feel like the director's cut, and this is the same for his, his sequel, Halloween two as well, which we'll get to in the next episode, but just little things that are peppered throughout that sort of extend scenes and that sort of thing that just make the whole thing seem a little bit more grimy. And I don't know if he needed to go that way. I think he was succeeding like that trailer. Like, um, I love the, uh, the off, the off key, uh, version of the mute of the, the iconic, you know, carpenter music. Um, I like the, the, the seventies flair and the aesthetic and the cuts and like i love all that stuff i feel like it fits this movie and it feels good uh as far as um what he was trying to do so i think he kind of overdid it a little bit in the director's cut and my thought on this um uh and me you know, i was gonna save this for the end but i'm gonna say it i think now because i think it's a little bit more appropriate is that i feel like there's a really really great movie here if you took the director's cut and edited it together with the theatrical cut and and added some stuff back in but excluded some other stuff here and there i think you'd have a really great flick and i wish um someone would do that and uh it's kind of like on a it's sort of like on a, a bucket list item for me i think is to kind of go through that with, with someone who can edit and just sort of try and maybe put something together that's uh that's super cool right i can see that i can see that because i know when i first saw it i i'm a huge fan of the supernatural michael you know, that eight-year-old boy out on the road doesn't say a word, and he never says a word through the entire franchise. Mm -hmm. Now you have this chatterbox kid, <laughs> you know. When I first saw it, it was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. But by the end of it, I really got into it because it was a different Michael. You know, it was, you know, grounded, I, I would say, you know, as a real person as opposed to this supernatural entity. So, yeah, I mean, there's... There, there's definitely like a uh there's definitely like a, a an idea here of grounding it in reality making this kid um you know he's he's obviously a, a um sociopath psychopath but there's there's exterior um sort of uh, uh events that are obviously influencing him as well and sort of you get you know you you are sort of sympathetic to him as a younger boy and then obviously flipping that around to making making him this menacing you know monster evil incarnate as the movie goes on um which i think is is wow. is hard to do um and i think you know zombie should get a lot of credit for doing that because i think it was really risky i mean i thought like when he gets the mask for the first time is really cool like there's a lot lots of really cool shit in this movie that i think is does the does the original a lot of justice um but there's also some stuff that's like maybe not so great um and and I think that comes through in the director's cut when when you kind of see these little added scenes of of like okay so this is the shittiest family ever and but, <laughs> yeah. oh guess what there's more they're even shittier than than you would think of and it's a bit uh, it, it's it, it just yeah for me um, yeah I mean <laughs> that's that's kind of like that's that's where this film sort of I think this is where this film loses some people and and why it's so it's so it's such a debatable entry into the franchise. Well, I know I talked to Tyler a lot about this particular film when I had, mm -hmm. his, when I had the chance, I talked his ear off for a weekend. And one of the big things that he took it for was the fact that a Rob Zombie was doing it. 
Yeah. And B, it was a, it, like I said, it was a grounded, it was a, a realistic look at Michael Myers as a person in this world. And he thought that was a unique twist on it because it's always been that supernatural thing. And uh, he, he wanted to see the direction that Rob Zombie would take it with his vision. Yeah. And let's talk about Tyler too, because this is the big selling point for this movie for me. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. Uh, so when I kind of watched it recently, when we were doing this series, um, I, and I think it was because I had just watched, uh, I can't remember what sequence I watched these. No, I had just watched H2O and, and resurrection. Um, and, and then watched these ones after. And I just remember thinking like, he's so scary in this movie. And I think like the mask is awesome. This whole, this whole series of podcasts that we've done, we've talked about the mask being a little bit loosey goosey and not really finding that right fit from like even the first movie. And, uh, and, and, and Michael Myers being a, like scary. Uh, and I think both of those things are accomplished in this movie in numerous times. And, and, uh, there's there's a couple of sequences that are just absolutely fantastic in this film that are really terrifying and and deliver on maybe a lot more gore than obviously the original could but also as well like really putting characters in jeopardy and really uh, you know driving like michael into this town and having him sort of wreak like actual chaos and, and destroying families and and lives like it's pretty again. It's a it's a vis. It, Rob Zombie's a visceral director. Uh, he's got a style to him. It does find it does feel kind of grind grindhousey, kind of seventies, but also sort of feels like it's centered in when it was made. So it came out in two thousand seven. So it does feel like an like kind of a mid two thousands movie, but with the seventies aesthetic. Um, but I will say, like, um, uh, yeah, Michael Myers in this movie is awesome. Like, it's probably one of my favorite incarnations of the character. Uh, yeah. when he actually becomes Michael Myers, like when he gets the mask again, I just feel he's, he's this, he is this dead, um, uh, entity that is just relentless, uh, both in his obsession with trying to find Laurie, uh, and also his, his, his ability to kind of, to, to, to cause mayhem and, and, and destroy the people that he comes into contact with. I think it's, it's fantastic. Well, just to go on the mask thing, I love the 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 way they do that too with the aging. Because as a kid, when he uses it that first time, he buries it in the house, and yeah. then he comes back and gets it. So now it's worn and it's got all the the wrinkles and the the latex, you know, uh, degrading. And I think that makes it even scarier. You know. Yeah, and 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 you know his his presence as you know the shape um, again, and this is kind of where this is, gets a little bit confusing because. Uh, there's a couple of scenes, there's a couple of quick cuts in the director's cut where he follows, uh, Michael Myers follows Laurie home. And, uh, and that's great too, because there's shots in the original that are like that when he's kind of hiding behind the hedge and just something about him being in the daylight, you can, you can get away with it just a little bit, like you can't overdo it. Um, but it's very, very unsettling. And there's a couple of scenes in this, in this, um, uh, in this movie when he's kind of standing outside the school, there's that scene in, in, in this remake uh, and there's also, there's in the director's cut, there's a couple of scenes where he follows Laurie home from school, uh, which is, which is, which is unsettling as well. And, and obviously like, you know, once in the dark and there's certain scenes where, where Tyler's really able to kind of come to life as, uh, Michael Myers, like he's a big dude and 
he's he's intimidating and that's a thing too as well where it's really the first incarnation of the character maybe since the original where you're like i don't know what i would do in that situation i love thinking about that um this guy's brutal uh he, he seemingly can't be harmed but he's also a big imposing presence um some somebody that would be way bigger than the average dude um so his ability to crush your skull or smash you or knife you to death is is pretty plausible right exactly exactly he has that physical imposingness you know i don't think that's a word but i'm going to use it yeah, you know sure. <laughs> it, like you it's your show man it's your show you can say whatever you want this <laughs> is now a word yeah. um when you had that original what we call the the original trilogy that we like it was that supernatural so it's like a terminator and you know you just keep running around but this like you said if you're in this situation this is a real guy he is really six foot eight and he is just as wide and you would i i know there's like in in the house with uh danielle harris and stuff like that it's like what would i do how how do you get out of these situations yeah and, and terrifying yeah and and also some really good casting in this movie too like uh, daniel harris awesome to see her back in the franchise obviously this is kind of her second shot at the franchise after getting ceremoniously dumped in <laughs> part six or during the development of part six and, and of course of course uh, uh scout taylor compton um you know they're 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 great because when they're when they sort of go up with with uh with michael myers because tyler's so huge like they he looks even bigger and more imposing and um there are certain scenes where you see him kind of in that carnage and there's other scenes too which i think are great uh especially with the um i guess we should say we never said spoilers but spoilers everyone if you haven't seen this movie from 2007 yeah. <laughs> but but the sequence where um, yeah, rock. Sheriff, yeah, Sheriff. There's some certain sequences where where Rob Zombie will show kind of an after an after scene, like the the aftermath of of this violent attack, um, where Sheriff Brackett calls the Strodes uh, residents and um, and and you know everyone in the house is murdered, um, and it's just kind of like the aftermath. Just really effective filmmaking, really cool scenes, grisly, unsettling, uh, but at the same time doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily need to see everything. Sometimes that's, I feel like that's where Rob Zombie hits that sort of, he just hits this mark sometimes that works really, really, really well. I think it's it, it's the best stuff he's ever done in, in this movie as well as others where he he does hold back. I think that's when he's most successful as a filmmaker where he, he kind of reigns his, reign, either whether it's characters talking, dialogue, um, uh, or, or, or the visceral nature of, of the mayhem that he's filming. Like, I feel like some of the stuff when he reigns it in a bit, I feel that's when he's most effective and that's where it becomes the whole film together becomes more terrifying. Right. Exactly. Now you kind of mentioned Sheriff Brackett. Let's talk about this recasting because you know, the iconic Donald Pleasance as Loomis, as soon as it was announced, Rob Zombie was remaking it. The first thing I saw is like, who do you get to replace him? You know? Yeah. It, I mean, there's a lot of interesting casting in this movie. Um, I think a lot of it works to be honest. Uh, I, I love Malcolm McDowell as Loomis. Now, casting Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell as Loomis and what you get out of as the character of Loomis, two totally different things here. Um, and again, talking about the two versions of the film, I love Malcolm McDowell as an actor. And, and again, like I love how Rob Zombie casts these, the actors that kind of he grew up watching or these kind of iconic, uh, you know, uh, actors that not more necessarily uh 
movie stars, right? But but working actors, like uh, so, you know, like of course, like you know, guys like Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, and and you know, obviously who both have bit parts in this this movie. But um, but yeah, Malcolm McDowell, I love, and I love Brad Dourif as Sheriff Brackett. I think I think those yeah. are really cool castings. Um, again, talking about the two versions of the film, Loomis as the character, obviously a completely different version than Donald Pleasance's Loomis. And this is, I think, one of the things that out of the gate people hated uh, or really kind of despised this film. This was, this, was, this was kind of the one thing. But in the director's cut, I, Loomis's presentation is, a, is way more sympathetic. Uh, he's fleshed out a bit more. And that's sort of cut down in the theatrical cut. So again, there's things I love about the theatrical cut. There's things I love about the director's cut. And I want to put those two things together. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brad DeRiff and Malcolm McDowell are serviceable in both of these roles, and I think they're believable. And um, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good take on both the characters. Um, once you see sort of both versions and you put it together, but but I can see people's issues with it as well. Well, see, I was one of, I was always a mindset. I love that Malcolm McDowell did not do Doctor Loomis from the original films. He didn't try and replicate what Donald Pleasance did. Yeah, I love the fact that he he went his own way and Rob Zombie took him a different direction, you know, because to me, that's one of those things that you just don't touch. You don't mess with. It's it's perfect the way it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, if like Malcolm McDowell had shown up like bald. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I think, I mean, when you first meet him and he's got like, he's got like, the, the super long hair. I was just like, I wonder if that's just kind of a bit of a, an inside joke. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, Malcolm McDowell's one of the greatest villains ever put on screen. He's always great in everything he's been in. Um, and uh, he's enjoyable to watch. I think he comes across just because I think it's Malcolm McDowell. He might come across as a little bit more villainous than, than, than maybe originally intended you can see that but but again it's so weird because um you clearly get the sense that this movie was edited down from the director's cut into what we got as a theatrical cut and the 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 thing that the theatrical cut is it's weird because loomis isn't as like malcolm mcdowell's loomis dr loomis isn't as sympathetic in the theatrical cut as he is in the director's cut which is kind of an odd thing for them to sort of cut down and I don't know who's responsible for that. I don't know if that's, I can't imagine it's Rob Zombie because he loves Malcolm McDowell and his cast him since in, in various uh, uh, projects. Um, so I'm my not, guess, I'm not quite sure. My guess it was probably a time thing with the production company and the studio wanted it a certain length. And those were the areas they thought they needed to lose. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think we'd be rem so the major. Like, let's talk about the made the biggest difference between these two films, uh, which is the escape scene. Um, and this is again one of those things where I love the theatrical. I like the escape scene where he, you know, basically kills all the guards and escapes. Um, of course, the director's cut has the super grimy rape sequence, which uh, is not Michael Myers raping anybody. Spoiler alert! But. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's like, it's tough to watch. And I'm not a big fan of that shit. Like, it's just, it's just so, it doesn't make any sense. It is narratively, it feels out of place. Um, and again, it's just, it's again, I, again, I don't know what was filmed first. I, I'm assuming that the rape sequence was filmed first and then they went back and they reshot, or maybe they shot two sequences together uh, or, or sorry, the two sequences back to back and then picked one in editing. I'm, I'm not sure. 
Um, but again, the theatrical escape scene, of course, if you watch the director's cut, Bill Mosley gets cut out of the film, which, which is also weird, right? Like you would think that Rob Zombie would be like, no, no, let's, let's, let's keep the version that has Bill Mosley in it. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know the story behind that at all, to be honest, but it's, again, it's, it's difficult to watch the, the director's cut. And again, it, I don't think it adds anything at all to the character. It doesn't add anything to the movie or the story. And, and it's sort guess, of, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, my guess is you're right. It was filmed first and then like you, it didn't add anything. It's, it's, it takes the tone way down. And in a dark movie like this, I don't think they could afford that, which is why they probably went back and, and weird to say, but did the lighter, you know, escape. Yeah. Where more people get murdered, <laughs> but uh, uh, that's how grimy the scene is. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just, it just feels like um, I don't mind shocking stuff. I can appreciate that it, it, making something that's shocking and, and is an art form in itself. Uh, but kind of just you, whenever I see something that's like, you're just trying to make something shocking, then it's it sort of like it loses the, it loses the shock and it just becomes something that's, you know, not, it's not, it's not worthy, I guess, of, of, uh, of being called that because it's just someone trying too hard. And I hate saying that because I, again, I feel like when Rob Zombie hits his notes, when he really in his, when he's in that pocket, um, he's excellent. He's such an excellent director. Um, but it's just some, a lot of the time he kind of gets out of that pocket and, and, you know, I don't know if it's self-indulgence or what, but, or just bad ideas. I have, I have no idea, but I just feel like it's such, it's so odd to see both films sometimes. And again, like watching both versions for this particular podcast, it was strange to say, it's so weird that that's in there and this is it, this isn't. And these sequences are in there, but these aren't. And it's just an odd, like even from a time perspective, I get that for sure. There's definitely, but there's, there's certain things that are like, obviously they were cut because they weren't needed, not necessarily for time. And they're added back in. And it, it's, it's an, it's definitely, it's one of the, it's one of the, um, it's one of the most interesting films to watch because there are so many kind of small differences that change the flow of the film. Um, a lot of the time the director's cut is like, you know, an extra three minutes and, you're, you're sort of what's different in here. So yeah, yeah exactly. they added four seconds. I honestly think they, they may have taken that particular scene out too, because it turns him in, it turns Michael almost into a hero for offing these two, you know, scumbags. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you want that because I think that ruins the, I think that ruins the, the threat that he poses when he shows up. Right. Like he's going to, well, you know, is he going to have a change of heart later on with other characters? Like who knows? Right. Well, not only that, you're, yay, Michael, you just killed him. It's like, oh, wait, now I have to woo against you because you're going against Lori. And, you know, it makes you conflicted. That, mm -hmm. That's my guess on it. Because I know that's what I was thinking when as soon as that scene started, it's like, ah, uh, and then he wipes him out. It's like, yes. But then, yeah. Like, and, and, and there's little things like, um, uh, there, there's, there's, there's little things in the movie. Like, there's a, there's a line from the nurse. So when he's a kid, uh she says um oh beautiful what a uh, like what a beautiful baby and um oh not related to you or something like that it's like this kind of like uh this is antagonistic sort of response to michael's and that's why he he kills the nurse whereas in the theatrical cut i think he just he just kills her right like he he yep. just kills the seemingly innocent nurse which i think is like that's that makes the escape scene more believable it ties it together more and it, that he is a psychopath and that 
he just wants to kill because he wants to kill, not necessarily because something sets him off. Um, so again, like odd choices for both of these cuts in some respects and some of them good, some of them bad in, in both versions. I agree. Well, stick around because I'm going to talk to Benner about the other alternate scene and about what I think is the most crucial character in this film. We'll be right back. 